Welcome to Empowering Business Women by Brenda Regiment. This program will focus on all aspects of women-owned businesses from a financial education standpoint. Get ready to learn about resources you can use for loans, tax advantages, real estate, and leadership. Now, here's your host, Brenda Regiment. Welcome to Empowering Business Women. Today, our special guest is Alvaro Hernandez, the Education Outreach Manager at California Franchise Tax Board. We will be discussing how to do business in California and choosing your business entity. Welcome, Alvaro. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Brenda. Thank you for being with us. I know we have a lot to discuss today. And, uh, of course, it all has to do with business. Absolutely. Tell me... How long have you been at the Franchise Tax Board? I've been with Franchise Tax Board over 26 years. And for 20 of those years, I've been working and speaking to business entities, the business owners or people who are thinking about starting a business. So I've had a lot of, a lot of experience talking about the different type of business entities that are available in California and what the requirements are from a tax perspective or okay. income tax perspective. That's wonderful. A lot of experience. Yeah. And that's what we have here today. We need <laughs> your you. help. All right. Okay. Let's talk about uh, business entities. Yes. So uh, in California, you have some options to select a business entity. A lot of people just get started as a sole proprietor. It's the easiest way to set up a business. You get a business license and you're in business uh, or a partnership. And it's very similar, but you have more than one person. And you get a business license from the city or county that you're in and you're in business. However, if you want to be a business entity, such as an LLC, a limited liability company, or a corporation, Well, now you have to register that LLC or corporation with the Secretary of State because you're essentially creating a separate entity apart from you Mm -hmm. or the partners or or members in this case or or shareholders in this case. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're creating a separate entity with the Secretary of State that after you've registered has a life of its own, has separate filing requirements apart from your own um, and has other requirements uh, from from other agencies as well as... um, you know, different accounts, Mm -hmm. things like that nature that you have to establish as a separate entity, be it a corporation or an LLC. And people tend to get confused with Secretary of State and Franchise Tax Board. Uh, When they call me and say, I have a letter from uh, IRS. (laughs) And when I finally see the letter, it's either Secretary of State or Franchise Tax Board. So can you tell us what the difference is? Well, there's a big difference. Uh, The Franchise Tax Board administers the California Um, uh, income tax for Mm -hmm. both uh, personal income tax and corporate income tax. The Secretary of State, uh, and I don't know all their uh, responsibilities or what they administer, but for the most part, you register your entity with them. Mm -hmm. And that's the extent of of what you do. Um, It's a part and separate from income taxes. So you register with them, but you also have to formally dissolve with them. Um, But we have an interaction with the two agencies. They provide us information of all those corporations that have registered. So we will know that a new entity has been registered and we'll anticipate seeing a tax return from that entity. And if we don't, we'll contact them um, through our, our uh, process of getting letters out to those people that have not filed a tax return that we knew that should have filed a tax return. Also, um, there's a statement of information that has to be filed with the Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. That information eventually comes to Franchise Tax Board because it's an update of either the address, the name of the officers, phone number, and other uh, uh, pieces of information that we will then use to communicate with the 
entity, mm-hmm. the officer. So the something. first thing is to register with the Secretary of State. Then from here, the Secretary of State sends a, a communication to California Franchise Tax Board that now you're doing business. Correct. And what happens, and I've seen this, is that people don't know that they have to do the statement of information, like you mentioned, and this has to be depending on the entity, because if it's an LLC, it's every two years, but if it's a corporation, it's every year. So how do we... I'm thinking, how do we remember to do this? And I have seen, Alvaro, that the um, Secretary of State sends a little postcard, but mm-hmm. it's so little <laughs> that I think they miss it. You know, they don't know where it's coming from. And um, and they tend to do this about five to six months before the statement of information is due. What is exactly the statement of information? What is that for? Well, that's just to update the information about the business entity. Has there been a change of address? Has there been a change of officers? Are you now have a, a, a new officer? Mm-hmm. Um, you have a new phone number, a new email. Uh, that's part of the reason that you want to uh, submit that information every year or every other year, depending on when you're required to. Mm-hmm. But it also makes sure that you're um, basically on top of things, you know, uh, tracking of information. Uh, and the requirement is just to make sure that that information is current mm-hmm. more than anything. Because Absolutely. when you originally filed, you filed some uh, paperwork, a statement of organization or, or not statement, but um, um, articles of organization or articles of incorporation that have information on them. If anything's changed, you need to update that statement of information with the newest information, with the newest address, newest um, officer names and so forth. And it just keeps everything current. Right. And also, it's important to know that if you go to the Secretary of State, you can actually see these documents there. They will show it to you. And I, and I like that because before you used to call and order yeah. them online or I don't right. know what it was a big process. Now you can actually go and download what you establish. Right. right. Um, also, I know that and you, you were telling me I thought it was new the penalty of 250 because i didn't see it as much as i see it now but you're telling me it's been there for a while there's a penalty that people are getting right yeah it's a penalty uh that's assessed by the secretary of state for not filing a statement of information and the the amount of the penalty is 250 dollars um and that's uh, it's it's been in existence for for a while now okay (laughs) i don't know how long okay and i'm sure there's some reference to a, a code section where it references that a penalty amount but you know, a lot of people will receive this notification. The Secretary of State has taken great steps to update their webpage mm-hmm. and the information. Like you were saying, you can now see the documents that have been filed by the entity, mm-hmm. the state uh, articles of incorporation, the most recent statement of information, and anything else that they have up there. So they also have uh, automated some of that processing of the paperwork um, so you don't have to send in paperwork. You can do it online, online. directly, and that's a tremendous value to um, business entities so they don't have to wait to mail it in or wait to receive the car you can go online take a look at it see the date when you sent that in mm-hmm. and decide you know i need to update because i had a change in owner or or, or members or officers the whatever the case address, address mm-hmm. and update it right then and there mm-hmm. so you don't have to wait the two years if there's any change update it as soon as possible but the good news is that this statement of information is only 25 dollars Right. I mean, it's cheaper to do it ahead of time than to wait till you get notified. It's better to (laughs) know that you have to just keep on top of your 
entity, right? right? And once you go ahead and renew that statement of uh, information, then you're done and you're good for the following year, depending on the entity or the following two years. Now, um, my recommendation is to always keep track of this and to keep it, you know, download the PDF that they're going to send you via email. It takes about two days before you get it and always uh, keep track of everything. Because let me tell you, I have a client that did receive this letter of two hundred and fifty dollars. OK, and the same information was done on time. So now he has proof that the same information was done. Maybe it took too long before the franchise tax got this information. And now the, the client can waive this fee. But if not, if you don't have proof of anything, then you have to pay the $250. Plus, you still have to pay the $25 to the Secretary of State. So our recommendation is to always, you know, stay in track, put it in your calendar, or just go and find out when is it due. Right. And the other thing, too, is if you don't do it and you're suspended by a Secretary of State and it'll say SOS suspended, or if we're suspending for not filing a tax return or not paying a, a tax liability, we suspend as well. It'll say FTB suspended. Now you have to go through a reviver process, which is a lengthy process. And during that time, if your entity is suspended, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be doing business, essentially. Mm. So um, if you are, there are potential penalties that you, you can incur. So avoid it at all costs. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Send in the statement of information. Any change that you may have. Submit a new statement of information. So this is a big message because if you're suspended, you are not supposed to be in business in California. You're not supposed to be actively doing business. Yes, which means that if you don't know you're suspended right, and you are still in business or you're open for business, wow, what can happen to you? Well, there'll be penalties, um, but... If you enter into a contract or an agreement, it's voidable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the best thing to do is to avoid that situation. Make sure you're filing your tax returns. Make sure that you're paying your uh, tax liability. And remember, we have uh, $800 for a corporation. That's a minimum tax. And we also have an $800 annual tax for limited liability companies, LLCs. Mm-hmm. So um, that needs to be paid the first quarter of your taxable year. And so that information, that payment will help you avoid being suspended and filing the tax returns timely. Yeah, because uh, let's talk about suspension. What does suspension means? It's a process and you have to be revived. Correct. You have to contact the Franchise Tax Board. We have a unit that deals specifically with the revivership. Um, you have to file the tax returns, file or pay any tax liability, file the statement of information if that's why you were suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things take time. Mm-hmm. And if you're in business, time is money. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to make sure that you get these things done uh, beforehand so that you don't get suspended. But if you are suspended, you'll have to contact us and we'll have to go through a process to get you back up and running. And sometimes it's not that statement of information the problem. Maybe you are keeping track of that or you have a you know, professional firm that is taking care of this, but sometimes it's the negligence of not filing the tax returns on time. So let's talk about when you open an entity, what is the procedure? Let's say that this person or this taxpayer went and opened this entity, but for some reason it was impossible to start the business. What happens? Yeah, that tends to happen a lot. You have this idea, you're going to create a corporation, for example, and you go to the Secretary of State, you file the paperwork, you've created a corporation. 
the Secretary of State is going to stamp a number on that um, articles of incorporation that you submitted. They're actually going to stamp a date. And from that date on, your entity, your corporation exists. So the clock starts ticking from that date. Mm-hmm. So if you have to file a return, if you're a calendar year entity and you file in November, your return uh, is going to be due on March 15th if mm-hmm. you're an S corporation. Okay. Um, if you're a corporation, a C corporation, March 15th as well. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't file by then because you haven't had any activity because you're still setting it up, you're organizing, you know, all these different things happen. Um, so you haven't actively gotten into business, you're still required to file a tax return. Right. Once you've created this business entity, you have a requirement to file a tax return. Even if it's at zero. Even if there's no activity, Mm -hmm. even if you haven't opened the doors of the business, once you file with Secretary of State, you exist. Mm -hmm. From that point on, you have a filing requirement and you have at minimum $800, uh, um, a minimum tax that you have to pay each and every year. I have had clients that opened businesses five years ago, mm-hmm. you know, entities, yes. and they never really went in business because of circumstances. And guess what? They get all these letters all of a sudden for four year yep. with $800 plus penalties plus interest. And they're like, okay, what do I do with this? What's your recommendation for that? Well, if the intent is not to do a business with that business entity anymore, um, they need to wind up all its affairs. They need to file the paperwork with the Secretary of State to um, um, dissolve the corporation. Um, They need to file tax returns for that period of time in which they existed, even though they did no business, they've existed. Mm -hmm. They need to file returns, even if it shows zero activity. Um, they need to pay the tax liability, including any penalties and interest, uh, for that period of time, for those five years. Now, it, it's now going to be a lot more than the $800, obviously, mm-hmm. but that is the requirement that they file and pay and file the paperwork with the Secretary of State in order to dissolve. Mm-hmm. But first, you have to revive it mm-hmm. in order to dissolve it. You Are you just serious? So it. you would have to revive something Absolutely. that you never used? Wow. Well, you when you opened it... You were responsible for yeah, it. Exactly. Okay. And that's why it's important to have information and... We have a publication called Common Forms of Ownership okay. that talks about the different filing requirements for sole proprietor, partnership, corporations, LLCs, and different classifications of LLCs that talk about the filing requirements so that you as a business owner are aware of what you are supposed to submit, what you're supposed to file, what you're supposed to pay mm-hmm. ahead of time before you create these business entities. Because like your client, uh, a lot of people have done this and they just kind of walk away. They will continue to receive letters until mm-hmm. that is uh, resolved. Mm-hmm. What can happen if clients ignore these letters? Because th- the first statement is, I have never done business. And they s- need to understand that they were responsible, you know, at once upon a time when they opened this entity. Right. So what if they just run away from these letters and or, <laughs> me, you know, ignore them? I mean, right. what's the worst that can happen to them? I would think personally that, um, you know, uh, franchise tax board can levy them. Yes. Would that happen? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, what are they going to levy? If there's a corporation that never really got off the ground, mm-hmm. uh, if there's nothing within the entity to levy, then then we're just going to continue to send letters until something happens. Okay. Until the owner or the officers decide they want to resolve the situation and move forward. 
No, and it, and it happens that maybe you didn't start that business at that time, but you decide to start this business three years later. Right. And that's, wow. I've seen that. Yes. I've and seen that's that, that now they're ready to start this ready business. ready to go. Exactly. And this is where they find out that it has been suspended, that they have yes. all these penalties. And uh, so that doesn't look good to them because no. now they have a liability yes. that they, and before they even start a business, you have a liability and it's a headache. Yes, and you as a professional, you'll experience is that now you want to help them, and so you have to file the returns. That's one of the first things you have to do, and and figure out how to pay that tax liability mm-hmm. that they owe with the penalties and interest that have been assessed in order to revive them so that they can now continue to do business or actually do business because they haven't actually used it. So one of the recommendations that I have for uh, people who are thinking about starting a business is timing is important. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to actually move forward with your business? Mm-hmm. Don't create a business entity if you're in manufacturing and your product is not going to be ready for two years. Right. It may be too soon. In some cases, you may be required to be a business entity before you start bidding for contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's a lot of uh, considerations that you have to take into oh. account before you make a decision, but make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is the reason why I like to, you know sit down with my client and ask all these questions. I have to re- get really private and make sure that they understand what they're getting into, you know, because um, we have ideas and most of us are entrepreneurs, but that doesn't mean we're going to be able to sustain our ideas. We have to have the capital. We have to have all these factors right. that are going to be included in, in a decision-making. And um, the worst that can happen is, you know, you being chased by California Franchise Tax Board <laughs> <laughs> with all these liabilities and that, you know, you shouldn't have because right. it will definitely affect your bottom line at the end of the, the year or actually if you're in business, it will still affect you. But if you're not in business, they will still want you to pay. So uh, we're going to take a small break. And when we come back, we will discuss more about California Franchise Tax Board business rules. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're having tax problems, are getting IRS letters, or experiencing a tax audit, call 916-476-3244 for a tax consultation with your host, Brenda Regimond. Brenda is a tax expert based in Sacramento, California. You can contact Brenda Regiment by phone or email at 916-476-3244 or Brenda at bdtaxfinancegroup.net. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. 
Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Empowering Business Women. To reach Brenda Regimond on today's show, call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, you can send it to Brenda at bdtaxfinancegroup.net. Now back to Empowering Business Women by Brenda Regimond. Welcome back to the show. We have Alvaro Hernandez today with Franchise Tax Board. And we were discussing what happens when you open a business entity and don't follow the procedures. And at the end, you end up with a liability, tax liability or penalties. Um, Alvaro, I know there's, how can I say, relief, if that's the way we want to call it. Maybe it's not a relief, but <laughs> let's talk about offering compromise with Franchise Tax Board. Right. So with these individuals, you were mentioning your uh, client that opened a corporation and didn't do anything with for five years. Mm-hmm. So now you have a liability for those five years, the $800 plus penalties and interest that have been assessed. And so at the end of the day, your client's not able to pay for it. Mm-hmm. The option that they have one of the options that they have is that they can make an offer and compromise. If they're just wanting to shut it down, um, that might be a, um, a path that they can follow. Now, we have a wealth of information on our website on what they need to provide and information that they need to include in the application for the offer and compromise. As it, it, and it's on our website. They just revised the information to make it simpler and easier to, to understand. But that is an option that is available. Now, there's no guarantee that they're going to accept it, but there's a lot of factors that they take into consideration mm-hmm. uh, to decide, you know, if that offer is 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 good for the state and good for the business owner as well. The other option is that they can set up a payment plan, okay, where they can do installment payments, um, you know, for an amount and pay it off within a certain period of time, and so that helps the business owner kind of resolve that situation mm-hmm. and move forward. And in order to do that, you have to Again, as I mentioned earlier, you have to make sure that you've submitted all your tax returns mm-hmm. for the years that you have existed. And mm-hmm. keep in mind, when I say existed, it's from the date that you register with Secretary of State until the date that you formally uh, dissolve the, the, the corporation, the, the corporation or, or the business entity. Mm-hmm. So that time frame, you have to have filed returns for each one of those years. Okay. And so, and just for clarification, um, as you mentioned, the due date for a C corporation is not March. It's actually April 15th. April or the 15th. 15th day of the fourth month, if you're on a calendar year, it would be April 15th. If you're on a fiscal year, it would be the 15th day of the fourth month, whatever that date right, was. Right, right. Um, going back to the offer and compromise or installment agreement. Mm-hmm. I know that this is a process and I've done it with my clients and believe me, it's not an easy process. And the reason why is because a lot of times uh, our clients are not, you know, ready. And how do we make them ready? Well, they have to have financial documents because franchise tax, they want to know why is it that you are not able to pay the full amount at once. Correct. So with that, we need to be able to prove that you can only pay a certain amount a month 
if we're going to go with an installment agreement. Uh, offering compromise, it gets a little more deep into, you know, your life. And of course, you have to, you know, claim assets, any assets that you have, or I mean, it gets more into your personal level. Well, um, keep in mind <clears throat> that we're talking about a business entity. Mm-hmm. So it's whatever assets are within the business entity. Okay. Not your personal assets. Okay. So that's something that you have to keep in mind. You know, you're, you're so in in the case that this, <coughs> in me. the case that um, this business never existed, even though it exists, there's no assets, or there's probably anything there. So that means that it will be very hard for even the offer and compromise to go along, right? Right. Okay. But there's still documents that can be provided. Mm-hmm. That are required mm-hmm. to submit with the offer and compromise. Okay. Okay. So there's always a chance. There's always and a chance. And this is what the message is, right? Don't never yes. give up. Don't don't run from those <coughs> letters because there's a big probability that, you know, you can still do something about it. Um, I know that franchise tax work will always uh, work with you as long as you can prove. And... I also know that it's so important for you to, you know, keep documents for everything because what if they decided to audit you, right? Which happens. Right. It does happen. It happens. And the statute of limitation is four years, you were telling that me. That is correct. For California, it is four years. Mm-hmm. It's a statute of limitation. Now, keep in mind, that may be different if you have, for example, you have an asset that's depreciated over a 10-year period of time. You should keep your records for those 10 years exactly. to show that you depreciated it according you know, to that 10-year life of that equipment. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's four years of statute of limitations, but it may be more depending on a number of different factors. So mm-hmm. you know, definitely keep records, bank statements, things of that nature that may or may not uh, be necessary in an audit. Yeah. Uh, people are always asking me, what is the statute of limitation? And I repeat the law, but I always tell them, <clears throat> personally, until the day you die. <laughs> because, you know, you never know, right? You never know uh, what has been done. Sometimes we tend to forget what the deductions or credits we got. And of course, uh, if we're under audit, they want this information presented to be able to still allow that um, credit or d- deduction. Right. And in today's day and age, um, some of the advantages we have is you can digitize a lot of those records. And, you know, you don't have to keep that box of all the receipts and everything. You can digitize them and have them on a flash drive mm-hmm. if you need them. So it makes it a little bit simpler. Obviously, you have to do the work to, to um, digitize them. But once you have them, you can have them for a longer period of time and, you know, need it today. You got them today mm-hmm. versus going looking for them in a the box that, you know, um, if you have it in the garage or yeah, if you have it in the storage pretty much house. you're not going to find anything there because, <laughs> you know, the receipts are already fading for, that's the other thing for a while. Too. So yeah. that's the reason why we always uh, recommend that you scan everything if yeah. possible. And also, so if, we, if this entity goes into audit and for some reason they lost all these documents due to a fire hazard or, you know, something uh, happened and you don't have this information with... Um, Franchise tax were given maybe a few months or, you know, some time that it's a range to gather this information because there's always a way to right. get this information. Well, uh, franchise tax board will work with the taxpayer or the mm-hmm. business entity or the representative, you know, something that's reasonable. Obviously, there's some time limitations, um, statutory time limitations that we have as well 
that we have to consider. But we'll we'll work with the taxpayer. And in those situations where there's been a fire, and right now we're we're um, encountering a lot of that with some of the wildfires that we have going on. Um, taxpayers can come to us. We have information on our website that we will help, um, you know, any way we can in providing copies of old tax returns that we may have um, for them to have um, for the future because we know it's, it's a difficult time for them. Okay. Uh, let's talk about what happens when this business, you know, dissolve the business the, the good way, the, the complete way, or the, it followed the procedure. Okay. But they never close those bank accounts or credit cards under that entity or fictitious name. Okay. What do you think about that? Um, well, if they file their tax returns and they file their statement, uh, the the statement of um, that dissolve dissolve mm-hmm. dissolve with the Secretary of State, that meets their their requirements for for the franchise tax board essentially. Okay, um, the bank account, you know, it should be closed. But mm-hmm. are they doing business with the bank account? That would be the question. Mm-hmm. Okay, did you close the business, but you're still using the bank account, or is it the business that's using the bank account? There may be some questions that yes. come up ab- about that. And, um, you know, if you're winding down the business and you have a business account, more than likely you'll have it over for, open for a period of time to wind up any affairs, any, you know, accounts that you have to pay that you're still working out, have it for a period of time. But it should not go beyond a reasonable amount of time because mm-hmm. then are you actually out of business or are you doing business? Mm-hmm. We don't know. That's the big question. And, and really, if it's an account in the name of the business entity, but that business entity no longer exists, then it shouldn't exist either. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> if it's an individual account, well, now we're going to start questioning. You know, is it a bit? Was it a business account? or Was it a personal account? And mm-hmm. then just commingling of it's information, commingling. and it just gets much more complicated. And you want to avoid the complications in your life. That's it does. Do it, it does. You know, it, it does get complicated. We don't want complications. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is because sometimes uh, clients do you know, dissolve their corporation or uh, entity and they st- continuously in you know, deposit money in the same bank account. Uh, now, the problem with this is that you might think that nobody's going to find out, but what if franchise tax board or IRS comes and audits you? They still have a time to do this, you know, and now they ask for this bank statements and they find out that you didn't close for the year that the tax return closed because we have to submit a final tax return for that specific year. And now, you know, the December statement shows that it goes, it follows by January of the year that the entity is not supposed to exist anymore. So it gets complicated and these things flow (laughs) in an audit, you know, and it, there's too many questions to ask from the auditor. Um, we are seriously recommending that if you're going to close this entity to program yourself. Okay. Because like you mentioned, there's probably some, you know, uh, maybe deposit or checks that are standing out there and you know, you're not going to get them on time. Right. So it's so a timing issue. It's a timing issue. Yes. And uh, we know that this bank account is linked to the entity uh, so are credit cards, right? right. Credit cards that uh, these business owners are continuing to use. So there's a lot of probability that even though you close this entity, you will still be liable for what 
it didn't get reported on that tax return the following year. Right. And some of the things that you're mentioning are outside the scope of uh, income taxes. You know, it's, uh, you know, you're using a credit card that you shouldn't be using because that entity doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, without getting into that, I mean, you just have to make sure that you wind up your affairs as a business entity and shut it down completely so that there isn't that question should there, you know, be an audit down the road. Right. Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, estimated tax payments. Yes, that is an area where a lot of businesses are unclear, mm-hmm. especially for corporations. A corporation is required to make a uh, minimum tax payment the first quarter of the taxable year. Okay, If you're on a calendar year, that would be April 15th. Mm-hmm. But your return for the C corporation is also due on April 15th, 15th okay. day of the fourth month. So some people on their tax return, send in the $800. Mm-hmm. Well, that $800, if you're sending it in with the tax return, you have to make sure that you're sending it in with the right voucher that says this $800 is for the current year that we're in, not the year that we're filing the tax return for. Oh, I see. A lot see. of people file it with the tax return. Well, it's already late, for one, because it was due the first quarter, and you're paying it for the previous year. Okay. You're paying it late. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that you have to send in the voucher for the current year. Okay. Okay, that voucher is for, for example, if you file your tax, your tax return for 2017, in April of 2018 is when you file that 2017 tax return. But your estimated tax for the 2018 tax year was due on April 15th. So that $800 is for 2018. If you didn't pay for 2017, you're paying $800, but you're late. So that right. Be, uh, you know, penalties and interest on that. But if you don't pay the other $800 for this current year, now you're behind again. Okay. Okay. And, and, and it's a timing issue. you got to make sure that first year, if you registered your corporation in 2017 for the first time, the minimum tax is waived. If you have a tax liability of $100, you still owe that tax. But the $800 minimum tax is waived. But the second year, April 18th, April uh, uh, 15th. Uh, 15th of 2018, the $800 minimum tax is for the 2018 tax year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're kind of paying it ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a prepayment. So maybe the recommendation here would be if you're going to pay with the check on the memo, be specific enough to say right. for the year that you're paying. Correct. And thus make sure that you print out the appropriate estimated voucher. tax voucher for the, the year that you're actually uh, paying for. Mm-hmm. Don't use last year's voucher. Use the current year's voucher. And you can find those on our webpage as well. What are the rules for estimated payment? I know that you, you, there are certain rules. For instance, if the corporation owed the previous year, based on that uh, tax liability, that's how they are supposed to t- send ta- uh, estimated tax payments. Is that correct? That's well, how it works for IRS. I just want to know if uh, franchise tax board works the same way. It, there's an $800 minimum tax for corporations. For corporations, right. Okay. No matter what, that's okay. eight hundred dollar minimum mm-hmm. tax. You may owe more, mm-hmm. but you won't owe less. Okay. Okay. If you owe more, you've already paid eight hundred of your tax liability. So let's say at the end of the year, your tax liability is a thousand dollars. You've already paid eight hundred dollars. You have to pay the remaining two hundred dollars. Right. That's just one example. If you owed less than that, you've already paid eight hundred dollars. That's the minimum amount that you'll have to pay, and so you've already paid in your eight hundred dollars. Okay. Okay. Um, for the other business type, uh, business entity types like an LLC, it's a little bit different because you have a uh, annual tax. For a single member LLC, that's one person LLC, 
that is an $800 annual taxes due, regardless of any business activity, um, zero income, you owe $800 annual tax. Okay. Um, for the partnership LLC, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you owe a fee at the end of the year that's based on gross income, um, you, you have to look at our chart. There's a chart that we have. Mm-hmm. You may owe a fee of $900 if your income is uh, greater than 250000 Okay. In gross income. So at that point, you would pay the additional fee. Okay, so okay. let's say that person owed $900 for that year, specific year. Yes. And then the f- what's the requirement for the following year? For the following year, not only do they have to pay the minimum tax, but they have to pay the, the annual fee at minimum what they paid the previous year. So if they paid 900 last year, they have to pay 900 by the 15th day of the sixth month of, of this new year. So you pay the $800 by the 15th day of the fourth month, and then you pay the $900, the $900 fee, mm-hmm. by the 15th day of the sixth month. I see. Okay. And at the end of the year, if you didn't owe it because your gross income was less than $250,000, then you would be uh, requesting that. And as a, as a reminder, if you don't do this estimated tax, you do get penalized. Yes. Unfortunately, that is the case. Okay. That's wonderful. And the other uh, thing to keep in mind is that the estimated taxes are not equally distributed as has been the case with the IRS, where they collect 25% each quarter. Mm-hmm. For California, it's uh, 30% the first quarter, 40% the second quarter. The third quarter is zero. It allows you to kind of catch up. And then the remaining 30% in the final quarter. And we do have some worksheets that individuals can use to do their estimated taxes. Right. Okay. I was going to say it's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for all the information you're bringing to our audience. We're going to take a small break. And when we come back, we'll continue to discuss the rules of the California Franchise Tax Board with Alvaro. Thank you. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you are having tax problems, are getting IRS letters, or experiencing a tax audit, call 916-476-3244 for a tax consultation with your host, Brenda Regimond. Brenda is a tax expert based in Sacramento, California. You can contact Brenda Regiment by phone or email at 916-476-3244 or Brenda at bdtaxfinancegroup.net. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You're listening to Empowering Business Women. To reach Brenda Regimond on today's show, call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you can send it to Brenda at bdtaxfinancegroup.net. Now back to Empowering Business Women by Brenda Regimond. We are back live. Uh, this is the last segment of the hour, and we have Alvaro Hernandez from Franchise Tax Board with us today, and we've been discussing very good information, Alvaro. Thank you again for being with us. You're welcome. Uh, let's talk about LLCs. There's a big confusion into what tax returns we have to follow, or I'm a one-member, two-member. This is all, people think that by creating an LLC, they all go into one tax return, but they don't understand that there's a um, limitation into what members mean to an LLC. Tell us about it, please. Right. So uh, an LLC is kind of a hybrid. It's a combination of, or it can be uh, one of three things. Mm -hmm. You can be a single member LLC. That means there's only one owner of the LLC or a partnership LLC where there's more than one, uh, uh, two or more members. Or you can elect to be taxed as a corporation. And an LLC, this tax is a C corporation or an S corporation. If that's the case, you're going to follow the corporate rules, follow tax return similar to an, a C corporation or an S corporation, depending on what classification you, you are. Um, with those, uh, you will follow all the rules for the corporation. The only difference is you're not technically a corporation. You have an LLC number that you'll be using, not a corporation number. Mm-hmm. And with the Secretary of State, when you file the paperwork, you're going to file as an LLC. But you have to request informa- uh, permission from the IRS to be taxed as a C corporation or an S corporation. And there's a form to fill out. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that form on me right now. I don't remember it off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But we have it available on our website if you wanted to take a look at that information. Um, but if you're a single member, uh, the only owner of the LLC, single member or disregarded entity as we call it, um, then you're going to be following Form 568. Okay. Now, if you're a partnership LLC, you're going to file the same form. And a partnership LLC is two or more members of the LLC. Um, And it's different from a partnership because a partnership, a general partnership, you're going to file a form 565. It's a different uh, form that you're going to fill out. So that's one distinction I wanted to make because a lot of people get confused. Well, Mm -hmm. do I fill out if there's two of us as a partnership LLC? you know, you you actually need to fill out the form 568, not mm-hmm. the 565. Mm-hmm. So making that distinction. And that's the return that you're going to file with the Franchise Tax Board. At the federal level, you file different forms. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're, they're different in that sense because they're treated different and LLCs are not recognized by um, uh, the IRS. So you're either going to be a sole proprietor or a partnership Absolutely. and file the appropriate paperwork with them, appropriate returns with them. But for California, if you've registered as an LLC, you're going to file form 568. Okay. And when is that form due? Well, it is due the 15th day of the third month. Okay. So if you're in a calendar year, that would be March 15th. March 15th. And yes. it used to be April 15th, correct? Yes. So that's another due date that has been moved to yes. March. Correct. Okay. So, so we have LLCs from now on, or actually, to, I think it's been two years that yes. they've been due on March 15th. That is correct. Okay. And and for those, um, there's an automatic extension to file, but not to pay. Likewise, with individual returns, there's an automatic extension to file, mm-hmm. but not to pay. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a time frame because a lot of times what was happening is the K-1s that the members 
uh, were waiting for didn't come in. And mm-hmm. so uh, that was one of the reasons that they would file late. But now, you know, there's that automatic extension that allows you that grace period to file. But again, it's to file but not to pay. That's a, a good question that I have for you. When you file an extension with IRS, does FDB assumes the extension automatically, or do we have to choose a separate form of extension for FDB? How do that work? Yeah, FDB doesn't require you to file uh, paperwork to okay. get the extension. It's an automatic extension. That's what that you we say. Allow. It's automatic. Yes, I see. it's automatic. And again, it's an automatic extension to file, but not to pay. With the IRS, mm-hmm. you have to request that extension with them mm-hmm. and file a form with them to get that extension. So what it means is that even if we didn't file an extension with IRS for whatever reason, we still have the automatic extension with FTB? Correct. Oh, wow. Correct. Because we don't um, use that federal extension for California. It's separate. They're two separate entities. I see. Okay. That's good to know. Um, I do want to mention that you are, I I don't know if I already mentioned this before, but I want to go back into um, opening an account with Franchise Tax Board. When you go on the internet, you can open an account. And I know that your phone lines are always (laughs) busy. (laughs) It doesn't matter what time you call, they're always busy and people get frustrated by not, you know, being able to reach you guys. So, I have experienced that if you open an internet account, you can chat with your representatives. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, you know, it's unfortunate um, with the phone lines. Uh, you know, we do know that some people just can't get through because we have such a high volume of people calling with questions. And so it, it is frustrating. So we do understand that. So we've come up with some options for individuals. We have chat. Um, where you can go and, and chat with somebody and ask them general questions. Now, if you want to ask about a specific account-related question, we have Secure Chat, mm-hmm. where our representatives will send you a link uh, to Secure Chat where you can um, talk about a specific account. Now, what you're talking about, the online um, access, it's called MyFTB. If mm-hmm. you go to our website at ftb.ca.gov, on the homepage, we'll have a link to MyFTB where you can register so that you can access your account and see any notices that have been sent out. You can take a look and see what withholding has been done, any estimated taxes that have been paid. A lot of times the reason that our phone lines may be really busy is because people are calling to find out, well, how much, uh, what do I have in my estimated tax payments? Mm-hmm. How much have I paid? I don't remember. I don't mm-hmm. have my records. <laughs> well, rather than calling us, you can go online and similar to a credit card account, you can look at see what, uh, estimated accounts payments have been made. Uh, if a refund, another thing you can do is if you have a refund coming, you can go look and see what the status of the refund is. And if there's a, been a notice that has been sent mm-hmm. out, you can take a look at the notice and see the notice and, and make a copy of the notice. Let's say you've moved recently and, and the information didn't get to you. You can see that we sent you a notice and download it. And then it can prompt you to change the address mm-hmm. on your account. Oh, you're sending it to my old address, and now here's my new address, and you can do a, a change of address there as well. So it provides a lot of benefits to looking at your account. The other thing that it does, it prevents um, or helps prevent identity theft because you can look at your account and see when your return is filed. And mm-hmm. you, if you see that a return has been filed, but you haven't gone to your preparer or professional to file a return, you can then identify or let us know and say, that's not my return. I didn't file a oh, return. Oh, wow. 
And so that helps us identify, you know, if there's going to, if there's been any type of identity theft or someone has filed a return in your name that it shouldn't have been filed. And what happens if you find out that you have identity theft? What, well, is- what we'll do is we'll make sure that we uh, note the account mm-hmm. and, and, you know, if there was a refund that was coming, we'll hold that refund until we verify that information is correct. So we want to make sure that we get that money to the person that is intended to. Of course. Now, this is also available for business uh, businesses. Mm-hmm. So you can create a MyFTB account for your business. Mm-hmm. So it's separate and apart from your personal income tax uh, um, account. Now you have your business account. You can see if any notices have been sent out, you know, what estimated taxes have, have been paid. So it's the same thing for your business. So we have that option for both business and for personal. And it's, it's tremendous uh, um, advantage Help. to see what's there. And you as a professional, um, you can um, uh, request to have access to that information. So if the taxpayer or the client receives a notice, you can see the notice has been I can see sent. it, yeah. And that's what I was going to mention, that to me, uh, it's so powerful because you get an email from Franchise Tax Board and it says, new notice, right? So it prompts me to go and check yes. either my client's account or my personal account meaning my business account. Right. Um, believe me, it's the notice is there and it tells you if you have other notices too that you right. missed because you're not probably going to get it on you know by mail. If you missed it, you moved. Sometimes you don't change the address where you moved. So you will miss this information. And uh, sometimes it's just a reminder but right. that reminder will probably prompt into a liability if we're not paying attention <laughs> to these notices. Right, and if you're anything like me, I get uh, probably a foot of, of mail every week. And so yeah. going through that information, I set it aside and I'll get to it, I'll get to it, and I don't always get to it. And so if you go online and look at it, it's right there. You see it, it's like, okay, I gotta do something with it. So you can move on it mm-hmm. much faster and it prompts you to do something with it. One thing I can assure you as a business owner, I hate mail. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I hate mail. I, I don't want to open it. So I well, try. If, if it's from FTB, I highly oh, recommend I have you open to. It, okay? I have to actually. That's why I was gonna tell you. I'd rather get that email, right, from FTB, or you know, get, get anything uh, online because to me it's faster. I read through it. I don't have to be dealing with paperwork. Sure. Um, so. I'm pretty sure that as a business owner, talking to other businesses, we are in the same boat. The last thing we want to do is sit down and go through the mail. So this is a good way to keep track of what's going on with Franchise Tax Board. I also wanted to say that, I and, and this happened to me personally, we were dealing with some fees that Franchise Tax Board was sending to our business. And because we had this account, we were able to chat, you know, with the representative. And the representative noted the account very fast because the, the, pay, the liability I was getting, mm-hmm. it was not true. It's already been paid, but somehow... A timing issue. Yeah, right. it was a timing issue. So I still got the letter, which mm-hmm. it makes me uh, uncomfortable, of course, you know. <laughs> right. So I, uh, we were able to, you know, chat with the rep as soon as possible. The rep noted it. But let me tell you what happened. I got another letter after that. Now I have penalties on top of what, you know, I'm supposed to be owing, right. okay? So I go back in there. I chat again and I say, I talked to this person, blah, 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 because we need to keep everything noted, right? Right. And they were able to help me. I, I know that uh, 
it was just, uh, again, timing issue. It could be just uh, the computer that was not yes. getting updated as fast as we wanted to. But just the fact that I was able to contact a representative immediately, just like a text, you know, when you text someone, right? right. You're already sending a message and that person is there to help you. That gave me a relief. That's great. And as a business owner, I appreciate that. <laughs> I can tell you for sure because I don't have time. Right. I don't have time. And, and the least I want is to be handing my money just because a letter is coming. Correct? Right. And, and that's the advantage of having the MyFTB account is that it's more real time. And you don't have to sit on the phone. Um, and through the MyFTB, it's, you can do secure chat and talk specifically about your account. Whereas if you go on to our regular live chat it's not always secure. You have to go into a secure live chat, mm-hmm. but this is secure once you're in there. Right. So this is some advantages, and and we really, uh, you know, recommend that people have their their um, MyFTB account so that they can look at what's going on on their account. And they will ask you for some security questions. So I want you to know that it's not just a, a chat out there. You, they will ask you for certain numbers that only you know as a that's business correct. owner, and that's how they identify you. So it's. Pretty much, yeah. to me, it's very secure. Privacy and security uh, for us is, is very high um, in, in everything that we do. But making sure that we're protecting taxpayers, business owners' information is is a priority for us. So we've done as much as we can, and it's always evolving because this is the nature of the beast when it comes to technology. It's evolving. And so we're doing our best to, to keep up and making sure that that protection is there. So we'll verify information probably a little bit more um, than than just a one number or exactly. a name or something like that. Exactly. So we'll take all our, our steps to make sure that it's the right person that's accessing that account. Alvaro, we have two minutes to close our uh, last segment. What do you want to, what do you want our audience to take from this? Please give us an advice, a last minute advice that well, will help us. Yes. The biggest thing is I want to make sure that everyone understands that we have information available on our website and we have publications available like the common forms of ownership that talk about the different business entities, what the filing requirements are. Uh, I talked to so many people that have gotten into a corporation, created a corporation or an LLC that they weren't ready to do. They didn't understand what they were doing. It was just a uh, recommendation by someone mm-hmm. to do that. And they went ahead and did it. And now they're in, in, in difficult situation because they didn't understand their filing requirements. So before you get into it, do your research. Talk to professionals uh, before you actually move to that next step. And, and make sure you're understanding what you're going to be required to file, what you're required to pay, and anything else that you need to do with that entity type. Thank you so much, Alvaro. You're welcome. I want to thank our audience for tuning in today. Stay tuned for our next show. We will have a special guest, Oscar Ocon. Oscar will tell us how to market your business with local chambers of commerce. If you have any questions, you can always call us at 916-476-3244. Thank you and see you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Empowering Businesswomen by Brenda Regiment. We hope you'll join us for another edition next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great weekend.